Let's talk about something near and dear to our hearts, our furry companions. Life is full of unexpected twists, just like the ones we love to uncover about our favorite celebs. But sometimes those twists involve our four-legged friends. Imagine navigating the unpredictable world of pet parenthood, where every day is a new adventure. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, wants to share a message to help make sure you're prepared for any unexpected curveballs, whether it's a sudden illness or an unplanned trip to the vet. Spot Pet Insurance can be your secret weapon against the unexpected. With Spot, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, helping you with those surprising expenses that seem to pop up when you least expect them. But wait, there's more. Spot Pet Insurance plans go beyond just offering coverage for accidents and illnesses. You can enhance your plan with their preventive care benefit, ensuring that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered too. Head over to spotpet.com today to get a quote instantly. Trust us, it's the easiest thing you'll do to help secure the well-being of your dog or cat. Visit www.spotpet.com today. Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com slash sample hyphen policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Emmy. How you feeling? I'm good. It's your dad's birthday. I'm great. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was so happy. I was looking through all the pictures this morning and I was just sitting on my floor hysterically crying. You have some good pictures of him. You have so much content. It's unbelievable. That's the thing. I think I videoed pretty much every single day of our lives and I was going through it and I was getting overwhelmed by the amount of content that I have. How do you have enough space on your phone? Because I got the biggest, I knew it. I needed to get the biggest storage made possible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, it's too good. I know. Anyway, so as you guys know, Monday's episode was totally different than normal because we really dedicated it to be a full Harry and Meghan interview recap. We had Elizabeth Holmes on, which both of us were really so grateful that she took the time. I'm, I think we both are really proud of that episode. It's doing really well. And for today, normally it would be the Kardashian bonus show, but we were kind of in the middle because next week, season 20 comes back. So we didn't want to start recapping an old episode as we've been doing, but there was kind of some news. So the best way I can describe what we're about to do is a Kardashian-focused medley. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's very fair. Yeah. We're kind of, this is, especially I guess Monday was very structured. So we're going to be a little less structured today than I feel like we ever normally are. It always makes me nervous when we have no structure. <laughs> I mean, no structure for us. We already have a six-page outline, but... <laughs> <laughs> Relatively no structure. So there was some news in the Kardashian world that we definitely wanted to touch on. And I know this happened last week, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it since there wasn't a regular episode. And we both felt it was important. I'm sure you guys have seen by now Kim's stories that she posted after watching the Framing Britney documentary. And I'm actually going to read all four slides. And then I kind of just want to talk about it because what we have seen in terms of the way other people in Hollywood, specifically women in Hollywood, are coming out about their own experiences post the Britney documentary, I think is a conversation that is honestly way overdue. Yeah, very much. I think so much of it was that people didn't even realize the full extent of it. And now so much is coming to light. And also I think something that happens is that people reflect on their own experiences where at the time they didn't even realize there was anything wrong with it. And now in retrospect, they're like, I cannot believe that this happened to me or this was said to me. And I I thought it was just commonplace. Like I thought it was just normal. 
Yeah, which is why it's so important that this is happening because for so long it was normal. And even, which we can talk about a little bit later on, but that clip that Paris Hilton had posted of an interview from years ago. And at the time, that level of misogyny and those types of interviews was par for the course. And I don't think it's until recently, not that she knew that something was off, but until she felt like, you know, she can speak on it. Yeah, definitely. So let me just read Kim's stories. And if you've already seen it, feel free to fast forward. It'll be a minute or two. So she says, So I finally watched the Britney Spears documentary this week, and it made me feel a lot of empathy for her. The way the media played a big role in her life, the way it did, can be very traumatizing, and it can really break even the strongest person. No matter how public someone's life may seem, no one deserves to be treated with such cruelty or judgment for entertainment. Looking back at my own experiences, I remember a time when I felt this way. When I was pregnant with North, I was suffering from preeclampsia, which made me swell uncontrollably. I gained 60 pounds and delivered almost six weeks early, and I cried every single day over what was happening to my body, mainly from the pressure of being constantly compared to what society considered a healthy pregnant person should look like, as well as being compared to Shamu the Whale by the media. Looking at all the photos of myself online and in magazines made me so insecure, and I had this fear of wondering if I would ever get my pre-baby body back. I was shamed on a weekly basis with cover stories that made my insecurities so painful I couldn't leave the house for months earlier. Luckily, I was able to take these frustrations, embarrassing feelings, and channel it into motivation to get me where I am today. But to say this didn't take a toll on me mentally would just be a lie. I'm sharing this just to say, I really hope everyone involved in the business of shaming and bullying someone to the point of breaking them down might reconsider and instead try to show some understanding and compassion. You just never fully know what someone is going through behind the scenes. And I've learned through my own experiences that it's always better to lead with kindness. Here's just a few of the covers to remember what was supposed to be one of the happiest times in my life, my pregnancy. And she then posted a bunch of slides from Star Magazine and OK Magazine of just pictures of her on the cover with the most disgusting language you could ever imagine. And we got her story sent to us so many times. And what I find interesting about that is that it's not like any of us forgot that that happened, didn't know what happened. We were very much alive for that. We were very much engulfed in all of this stuff, but I think it almost took her taking a stand on it for everybody to take a step back and not realize that it was wrong, but really have that emphasis on like how not okay this is. Yeah, very much so. I think it's one of those things with cover stories and news and, you know, reporting on things like that where people are so affected by it, but they don't understand or realize that they're affected by it until they see it again. Kind of like what we were just talking about before with celebrities not realizing there was something wrong until it gets brought back up again, or they realize it in retrospect. I think just in terms of the entire culture of the early 2000s and the way weight was treated and reported on, it's one of those things that stuck with every single person that read those articles and had to see those headlines, not just the celebrity they were talking about, just every single other person that kind of had to suffer as a byproduct but it was one of those things where they didn't even realize how much it was affecting them. Mm-hmm. I think that that's true. And it, and you know, you make a, a good point about how as much as so much of this is the focus on how we shouldn't be saying these things about public figures. And I recognize, of course, the counter argument, especially people that don't like them is, well, they signed up for this life. No, they signed up to be famous. They signed up to be scrutinized. They didn't sign up to be bullied for their appearance. But what I was going to say is, I think you're so right that it's not until you take a step back until you realize like what the damage was then done to other pregnant women or even just not feeling great about the skin that they were in. It's so much deeper and it just has such a ripple effect. Yeah. It's like 
celebrities didn't sign up for this life in terms of the way they're being reported on, the way their bodies are being picked apart. But especially we as the public didn't sign up for that. Because when you see somebody also take, you know, Kim's pregnancy aside, obviously that's the focus in this. I'm just talking about like as a general statement, like when you see somebody, I think the perfect example of this is Lady Gaga. When she performed at the Super Bowl, there was a whole narrative about like, how she looked heavy, quote unquote, at the Super Bowl, which is ridiculous. When you watch it back, you can't even believe it was a narrative, but it was at the time. And it's one of those things where you're sitting there looking at yourself and you're like, okay, if she's being called that, what the fuck am I supposed to be doing? Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And I think that there was never any ounce of understanding the words and the impact that it had on people outside of the celebrity. It, it never was even taken into account. And honestly, to be fair, I don't even know if it still is. I think that that is still, um, I think that it is still such a thing. And I actually wanted to say, and I should give a trigger warning here for um, suicidal ideation, but I saw a tweet that it's a little bit different, but it kind of speaks to that perfectly. Someone that, you know, after Meghan Markle's interview came out and people were criticizing her and specifically really not taking her mental health struggle seriously and saying that she was full of shit and that never happened, which obviously in itself is disgusting. I saw a tweet that said, Meghan Markle will never see your comments doubting her mental health instability. However, your friends that have been in that same situation will. And I thought that was very deep. Yeah, very much so. I've seen that tweet come up, you know, similar wordings with a a number of different things. Um, I saw it a lot during Chrissy Teigen's uh, pregnancy journey. And it is such a true statement. People talk into an abyss and they think that when they say something, the only person that it's affecting is somebody who isn't going to read it at all. Even if it's a self-projection, even if it's something that they're just struggling with and they're using a celebrity as a fill-in, when you use social media like that, you kind of speak it into an abyss where in your mind, you're saying it about one person and one person only, and that one person isn't even going to see your tweet. So what's the harm? And people fail to realize the effect that their words have on every single other person that's going to consume what they're putting out. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I, to be honest with you, I often sometimes feel that way, even on a, such a smaller scale with having a podcast, because sometimes people will say like, well, you guys, you know, you don't give hot enough takes. You're not mean enough about the celebrities. It's like, we're not sucking up to any celebrities. We're also recognizing that people listening may be dealing with the similar kind of things. It doesn't feel good to put that out into the world. Like you get back what you put out. Why would we want to just be putting that out all day? It's like not the best feeling. Yeah, totally. Another thing we wanted to mention, which is a little bit different, but I think kind of makes sense in this conversation. To be honest with you, these were just all things from the last week that we just kind of wanted to talk about. So we're putting them together. I'm sure you guys saw this, but years ago at the 2007 MTV Movie Awards, Sarah Silverman was hosting and she made this joke about Paris Hilton. And it was kind of about her jail sentence at the time. She was about to start the jail sentence after um, her DUI. And Paris had never really spoken about what it felt like being in the audience and hearing that joke. And she just started her podcast, This Is Paris. And she said, quote, what she did was so disgusting and so cruel and mean to sit in the audience with her just literally publicly humiliating me, being so mean, so cruel. I was sitting there wanting to die. And Sarah Silverman also has a podcast. And last week she said that she had sent a note apologizing to Paris. And she now knows that the note was never received. She says, quote, well, I was thrilled by the success of my monologue. I remember spotting her in the audience. I really do. I remember seeing that look on her face and my heart sank. There was a person under there. So here I am 14 years later telling you, Paris, I'm really sorry. I was then and I am much more completely and with far more understanding, I think now. I can't imagine what you were going through at the time. And 
Paris then in the next episode of her podcast said that, you know, she was so genuine and sweet. It really moved her and it was very emotional for her to hear it. So I know in the scheme of things, that one is maybe a little bit less, but what I liked about this one was that it was such a direct kind of back and forth. And I really do think it's not that it takes away what someone did, but when there's an apology that is so direct, I do think it makes you feel heard. Yeah. Especially when people are willing to own up to it so many years later, because I do think it would have been really easy for Sarah in this position or anybody else in this position to say something along the lines of like, it was just a joke I made a couple of years ago. I think we can move on from it. Obviously, that wouldn't have been the right thing. And obviously, when Paris is sitting here saying how much it hurt her and how much it still affects her, that's not the correct response. But it would have been the easy response to be like, can't we all just move on from a joke that was made 13 years ago? So for Sarah to own up and be like, I honestly still remember that. I still feel sorry. I'm still offering my apology. And like, even more sincerely, this many years later, I thought was it was, it was just a great moment. And I think that both of them probably felt much better after that. The reason this one felt different to me was because she was acknowledging what it felt like to see Paris sitting there. And she recognized when she said like, there was a person under there. That was the reason that this was different than like, I'm sorry that I made an insensitive remark. These are, we're in two different camps. So this one to me, I think just resonated more because of like the humanity of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for her to be sitting out in the audience and have to hear a joke about her with an impending prison date coming up very soon. I think it was like the next day that she reported to prison, which is just a wild thing that happened in and of itself. But for that joke to be made with something like so awful happening to you in that moment. like It's not like you've come out the other side of it already. It's not like it's something that you experienced and you're ready to put it behind you or that it's like a while down the road and you can keep it kind of out of sight, out of mind. Like, It was really in that moment and it just felt like a low blow. And I actually believe that's something that's been brought up over the years of like that specific joke being just such a low blow at Paris in that moment. Mm -hmm. No, you're so right. The time of it all. But in that moment, it's like really pouring salt in the wound. I cannot believe. I know this is so not the point, but the idea of Paris Hilton showing up to the MTV movie awards and then having to go to prison directly after that is just a wild 2000s thing in and of itself. Well, that's what I was going to say. That is what separates the early 2000s and mid 2000s from any other time period. There was nothing like it in terms of that that type of pop culture, that very specific genre of pop culture. It was it was otherworldly actually. There are so many negatives to it and I Again, that's something that we've really spoken so much about and the public has spoken so much about and really delved into it. But there was so much of it also that was just iconic and amazing and you will never, ever get to experience it again. I mean, if we didn't have that level of pop culture, I mean, that type of pop culture specifically, I don't think we'd be doing this right now. I think that it made it so fascinating for us. For you and I specifically, yes, because that is really when we started to just delve into it. And again, we spoke about this a lot at the time. We didn't realize how toxic it was, but you know, toxicity aside, I think that level of interest is what has, it's what's made us start this. Yeah. I mean, not, and not everything was toxic. I mean, you know, so many things had undertones of being toxic. So many things were just wrong and incorrect. And especially in retrospect, you kind of can't believe it, but there was so much of it that was just wild and fun and it was just the type of culture that bred excitement. Like you, as much as I love pop culture now, and trust me, I do, I think there is so much still to examine and look at and just kind of obsess over. Nothing compares to those early days of the 2000s. 
No, but I think also so much of that is because of the lack of social media and how every moment felt more special. Whereas it's not that you know we're going to see a picture of Haley and Justin in Paris and not want to go through every slide the complex posts. Don't get me wrong. However, we also probably saw what Haley was wearing that morning when she posted a mirror selfie from her bathroom. So it was, I think just everything felt more special. Everything felt more rare. And this is a weird word to use, but things felt more precious. A paparazzi shot felt more precious. You know, you were just getting it in one medium. You were getting it in a magazine. And, you know, when when there was an interview of Paris as she was leaving a club, that was the only time you were going to hear from her from that week. And so there was something about the, their inability to just hop on their phones, which net net, I'm glad that that's a thing now that just made it such a different time. Yeah, you're so right. It was every single moment felt like a moment in history because you weren't going to you weren't going to get it anywhere else. If you weren't looking at a magazine and reading about that one specific thing, it's not like you were just going to catch up on it later on your phone. It was in the moment and obviously, you know, the internet started to come out and things started to change, but it, you were really looking at like these quick moments in time and then moving on to the next. You're so right. Also, you know, do you know that I save every single mirror selfie that Haley takes? Do you really? Every single one I take for outfits and I, I screenshot it. Did you see, by the way, sorry, this is like, I just haven't asked you this, that her and Maeve, her stylist, if you guys know her stylist is Maeve Riley. I saw yesterday they're doing a virtual Zoom fitting and you can buy tickets. I'm, it's like $300. I'm not doing it, but I just thought that, that was kind of an interesting concept that I would imagine, honestly, if you're somebody that's studying fashion, like take away the fan element for a second, just from a fashion perspective, that's a very smart business model. These like you know, Zoom fittings with celebrity stylists and their client? Yeah, that is like pretty genius, actually. A lot of stuff has come up just in terms of Zoom and what we can do from this pandemic, obviously. But there are a lot of things that that have been done where I'm just like, that is so interesting. And we never, ever would have gotten that before. And that's definitely one of those things. But that's the thing that we didn't realize, none of us realized, not that we had the capability. I think everybody obviously technically knew we did, but it wasn't even in our thought. Even you and I, think about it. We were so resistant to doing interviews that weren't in person. If we had someone that wanted to come in, we would say, yeah, you know, next time we're in LA or next time you're in New York, because we really felt that it took away the chemistry. And to a certain level, it does, obviously. But I think we're realizing that we can make things work in a totally new light. Yeah. I love watching the things that people have come up with. Also, not even in terms of coming up with wildly new ideas, just people exploring Instagram and TikTok and social media in just different ways, going on Clubhouse. Like, There's just been a lot that's come from the fact that our phones right now and social media right now are our only source of anything. They're our only source of connection and interaction. And in terms of the way we are and the way that celebrities are, there is somewhat of an even playing field there because we're all just looking for some sort of connection. And that there is now this overlap between like celebrities looking for a connection, regular people looking for connection, and then connecting the regular people with the celebrities, which I don't think you ever really had before. This particular point in time has increased that exponentially. It was it was getting there, but now it, it is it's a different level, yes. I mean, even when we're talking about the Meghan and Harry interview, it, there was just something that felt different in terms of obviously again, going back to the internet camaraderie, we always talk about this. But as people and as celebrities, we all watch that in the exact same way. You know what I mean? Like there was no difference between like, oh, 
you know, I kind of have a similar experience. You don't have a similar experience. None of us had a similar experience. The royal family is just something that we could never understand. And for one moment, for two hours, while we were all watching that interview, we were all on such an even level playing field, having the same exact reactions, admiring Meghan and Oprah in the same way, talking about Harry in the same way. It's just an interesting thing for us all to be having these similar experiences with people that you never thought you would have any sort of similar experience with. I hadn't even thought about it in terms of the Harry Meghan interview. That's a very good point. You are right. Because I guess, you know, to a certain level, celebrities can relate to the fame element and they can relate, of course, to negative coverage, but not in that way. This We're, we're talking something completely different. We're talking, you know, a different stratosphere. And I think that's so true, almost as if we were all kind of just in the audience. Right. Exactly. Just as a side note about that interview, CBS really teased it so minimally. There were so few teasers. And I think it was Yashara Lee that tweeted and said that even his uh, friends that worked in CBS very closely, there were so few people that actually saw the interview before it aired. It was like really, really tightly sealed. My only complaint about the teasing is that I wish they didn't put the silent or silenced thing in the teasers because experiencing that in the moment would have been next level. Honestly, it was next level, even though I had already seen it. I know, but imagine if you had never heard that line. Even when Oprah dropped that, like even when that track dropped and you were like, holy shit. Even though you had heard the preview, you were like, wow, that's a line. Imagine if you had never heard it before and just in that moment she said that, you would have been, it would have been another level of blown away. I just want to confirm that you just um, referred to that as Oprah dropping the track. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it was. What do you think it was? <laughs> That is so funny. <laughs> There's not a songwriter alive that wasn't watching that going, I'll never write something that good. <laughs> I think the funniest memes that are um, being taken from the interview are the people like me interviewing the G and lasagna. <laughs> I love those. <laughs> me interviewing Phineas and Ferb was literally my favorite. <laughs> oh, that was so funny. I love memes. I fucking love memes, obviously. So Mother's Day is coming up and I know sometimes it can be difficult figuring out what to get your mom because realistically no gift is going to do justice for how much you love and appreciate her. But I'm sure you've done the classic, you know, bathrobe, candle, sweaters, gift cards. If you're looking to mix it up, I want to tell you about Aura Frames. So they were named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. And it's just the kind of gift that is guaranteed to bring joy because realistically, there's nothing our parents love more than seeing us. So for them to be able to see more of us, even if you don't live close by, like that is probably the best gift you could give a parent. They're Wi-Fi connected. They come with unlimited storage. So you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. And it's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. We have one in my kitchen. And every time my dad comes down for breakfast, like it just makes him so happy. There's pictures of me, pictures of me and my parents when I was little, pictures of my grandparents. Like I think as a parent, you never get sick of that. And it's just the kind of gift I know she will love. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code CBC at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, moving on. We're really bopping all over the place. If you are a regular listener, you know that this is us a little bit more off the cuff, but you know what? Every once in a blue moon, we're going to be like this. And I think that it's okay. 
I know this isn't Kardashian related, but I quickly just want to touch on this Olivia Wilde, Jason Sudeikis thing. Is that okay with you? I would love to. So as you may or may not know, since the Critics' Choice Awards were the same night as the Oprah interview, aka nobody watched the Critics' Choice Awards, Jason Sudeikis won Best Actor in a Comedy Series for Ted Lasso. And in his speech, he thanked Olivia. He said, I want to thank my kids, Otis and Daisy. I want to thank their mom, Olivia, who had the initial idea to do this as a TV show, saying, you and Brendan and Joe like doing that so much. You should do it as a movie or TV show. She was right. And after, Olivia tweeted, saying, congrats to Jason and the entire Ted Lasso family on your Critics' Choice win. Tagged them all and then said, so happy for you guys. I hope this means we all keep wearing hoodies when the ceremonies are in person next year. Okay. I just want to say, I know obviously this got brushed over because we were all watching the Oprah interview, but don't you think people's reaction to this was kind of telling? And what I mean by that is to almost gauge how the public feels about this breakup because it was not received as fondly um, as, not that I would have anticipated, but as maybe it could have been, don't you think? Well, can I ask a question? Because I honestly didn't see a lot about how it was received just because of the Meghan and Harry content. Was it not received well because they felt like she only tweeted because he mentioned her or they didn't like the original mention to begin with? No, no, no. It wasn't about the original mention. When I say fondly, I mean, it seems to me, and again, this is this could not be the case. This is just from what I've seen. It seems to me that there's a lot of public sympathy for Jason Sudeikis. I have no like opinion on this one way or another. I'm just saying what I've seen. And as a result of that, I think people, when Olivia tweeted it, it's like, yeah, nice, but like, okay, go with Harry. That was kind of the sentiment that I saw. Interesting. I can't believe you saw sentiments. <laughs> I was also like kind of deep in it just because I right. was kind of curious. I just think that, you know, and we, we've spoken about this before. It's like, who knows how this actually played out? Because there were so many different conflicting stories. When it first came out, everybody... Even us were reporting that they had been incredibly civil. They had been broken up for so long. And the announcement that came in November really came after, you know, many months. And this this was kind of understood thing between both of them. And then a few weeks later, it came out. That's not the case at all. Jason was a little bit more blindsided. And that was the most recent report. So I definitely think there is this like group of people. And it's not a, a hatred towards Olivia or anything like that. I just think there's real deep sympathy for Jason. And then you had the already existing sympathy tacked on to that, how seemingly sad he was received when he won at the Golden Globes. So I think the two things together just made for the optics of the situation to not really be in Olivia's favor. Yeah, I totally understand that. I wonder if the situation would be even more blown up or kind of blown up at all if Olivia and Harry had confirmed at any point. Because for all we know, I mean, listen, obviously we think at this point they must be dating. No one has said anything otherwise. There haven't been any statements put out saying like, no, this is not true. We've seen them together a little bit. But for all we know as the public, there could be nothing going on. No one has confirmed anything. The pictures that we've seen aren't overly incriminating. I just have to wonder if they were flaunting it or if they were even just a little bit more confirming of what's going on, whether this entire situation would be more dramatic almost. Because I do think that people want to have an opinion, but they have to stop themselves and say like, how can I have an opinion over something that I don't even know for 100% sure is true? Oh, 
See, that's interesting. You are saying, just so that I clarify, I think I know what you're saying. You are saying that if Harry and Olivia were to have made this a little bit more official, you think the public response would have actually been stronger. And by stronger, I mean more negative towards Olivia, because then there's no speculation. That's what you're saying. Right. Because I think, especially in terms of what you're saying, like, yeah, there was some backlash. There was some people not super favorable of Olivia in this circumstance or whatever. But like, even you were like, I kind of had to look for it. I kind of had to go out of my way to find out what the reactions were going to be. It's not like it was overwhelmingly like Twitter responding or comments responding or like, I know that we're caught up in the Harry and Meghan thing, but like, we have to talk about this. Like, I just think had the optics been a little bit different and they were more public or the relationship had been confirmed, you wouldn't have to look for those sorts of sorts of responses. They would just be there. Unless, and just follow my thought process here for a second. Unless you think that people actually were quicker to criticize because there was so much speculation and because they felt like amidst all the speculation, they still were not confirming it or solidifying it, which in general frustrates people. And so that they maybe, I'm again, I'm just trying to look at this from all angles, maybe would have been like, you know, we would have had more respect if uh, you just came out and said it, but instead it feels like they're sneaking around. Again, that is not my belief, but- I don't think that's also the craziest thought. No, I, I, that's a great point. I, I honestly don't know. I, I think also there is the possibility that people do have really strong opinions, but there's so much else going on that we haven't really seen it or people have kind of moved on from the initial shock of the wedding photos. I, I don't know. It, it is interesting to me though, like Olivia Wilde is such a name in and of itself. She's such a force. She's somebody that like is really highly regarded and spoken about. Obviously, there's a level of respect there in terms of the way that people are speaking about her. Or I would hope there would be. Jason Stegas, also somebody who's super, you know, well-known. Like them as a couple were really well-known. In my opinion, when you have a couple like that, that's been together for so long, so well-known, not super public, but public enough that people know. And then you mix that with somebody like a Harry Styles in terms of relationship drama. To me, that story should be everywhere every day. Not in terms of me thinking that, you know, we're not talking about it enough or we should be invading their privacy more. Not not like that at all. Just in the sense of how do we not as a public have more to say about this entire thing? It just seems like we talk so much about other things and we're like, that, that kind of doesn't matter. Like, why are we spending so much time on this? And then this comes up and we like spoke about it for a week and then we never speak about it again. It's just weird to me. Oh, Julia, I feel the same way. And I'm telling you, it's because of the privacy that they had going in. I really think there is something about, well, hold on. Let's break this down for a second. Now that I'm really thinking about this, I just sat up straight. I think there's a couple of different elements. Okay. I think the first one is, just from a basic, very logical, logistical level, we just don't have as much information as we would have with other couples. There's no clues on social media. Jason is not, doesn't have social media at all or does not have Instagram. Olivia and Harry are not that active, so we don't have any of that. Second of all, Harry and Olivia have never actually confirmed it, and nobody has really spoken about it except for those few sources early on, so we don't know nothing there. I think the third and maybe most pressing one is that Going into this entire thing before Harry Styles was ever in in the equation, because of the privacy that Olivia and Jason, I don't know if they had, if they demanded it, for some reason they just felt incredibly private. I think the public is quicker to respect what transpires in a relationship like that when it was so known going in. The public does not respond well when you are like, 
you know, a Kim Kardashian, for example, not that she was doing this, you're the most public ever. And then you go through a quote hard time and it's like, but I actually don't want to share this with you. Please respect my privacy. And it's like, you show us every single aspect of your life. What do you mean? You're not going to show that again, speaking for the public. So this one, I think people are far quicker to, I don't know if you want to say obey their wishes or take a step back because they felt like it was never their business to begin with. Yeah, that's a great point. I just think there's a psychology to all of this stuff when it comes to media, but also when it comes to like fans. I really do think that. I think so too. We're also probably missing the biggest element of this is that there's not a single person that could look at this situation and go, can you blame her? And also because I, I forgot the other, the last element is that not neither of them had said anything even remotely negative about the other. Not even, not even a, publicly, I'm saying. Right, of course. And neither of them would. They're both class acts. And something that I always love looking at and when these types of things happen that are a little bit more public, Jason Sudeikis speaking about Olivia Wilde is how he changes like addressing her. Like how he used to dress in the past going from whatever that was to being like the mother of my children. That's always interesting to me. Yeah. Well, that just in general, them aside. Yeah, yeah. Although they were never married, so it would never would have been his wife. Right. My love, my partner in life, whatever it would be. Yeah. Interesting. A lot there. I don't know. You're right. I mean, that's the thing. Of course, beauty is very subjective and it's, you know, that saying beauty is in the eye of the beholder is is very accurate. However, Harry Styles falls or seemingly falls in the objective category. Uh, yeah, I would imagine so. I can't get into it. I can't start thinking about it because then I can't stop because honestly, as much as I really like Jason, um, I think that they ended for you know, I guess it was best for both of them, but Harry and Olivia together, like that's hot. Duh. Did you see the video I sent you today, the TikTok of Prince Harry and Harry Styles meeting? No. You didn't watch that? Okay. We've got some business to take care of when this is over. Oh my God. Should we put the link in the description? Yeah, of course. Okay. Also, are we ever going to talk about how hot (laughs) Prince Harry is? Like, I feel like we've had every other discussion. I'm ready to come back to that. Well, Julie, on Monday's episode, when we're sitting with Elizabeth Holmes, it was like so serious and, and, you know, analytical. I'm not going to be like, by the way. (laughs) You know, I almost did at one point. I had to stop myself. No, no. I'm so glad you didn't. I love her. She, by the way, the other thing that I just want to say about Elizabeth is that she was so willing after the fact to like support the episode, which is, you know, when you have someone on as a guest, they don't have an obligation to do so, but she really was. And I just appreciated that so much. Yeah, me too. Yeah. He's so sexy. I mean, they're just a beautiful couple. Oh my God. He, yeah, they are really such a gorgeous couple. He is so hot. I think that's also what was funny about all of this was everyone collectively kind of coming to that realization of being like, oh my God, like Prince Harry, because I feel like that was never the spoken about thing. And everyone kind of had that, especially after the whole Corden thing. Well, don't talk to me about the Corden thing. That was a lot for me to handle when he's climbing up the rope. Obviously, same. I just like that, those kind of segments really do it for me. You don't say chance on carpool karaoke. Yeah. I think that kind of like lighthearted nature and it just makes people so likable. I get it. If you're a celebrity that maybe is having, not that Harry was having this, but if you're a celebrity that's maybe having an issue when it comes to the way the public is receiving you and you're coming across as maybe cold or unapproachable to me, if you do it well, there's nothing better than like a James Corden segment because carpool karaoke doing one of those fun driving lessons with Cardi, that is the type of thing, not that she needed it, but I'm just using her as an example. Like that is the type of thing that really makes people feel like they are friends with the person. 
Of course, that entire concept is so simple. Driving in the car with your friend, but your friend is a celebrity and the other person driving the car is James Corden. Like, it is so simple in nature because it is something every single one of us do, singing in the car. And it is something that we all love. Like, I I can't even explain to you how many times I've had the conversation with so many different people of of people just being like, I just love singing in the car. I love just driving and singing in the car. So to take that and then it's the person singing their own songs in the car. It's the most simple genius concept, but it makes them look so relatable and so fun and so down to do anything. And that's what makes people like celebrities. When you take a celebrity that seems almost untouchable, which we've spoken about a lot, and then you humanize them, not just in a way that makes them human, but in a way that makes them fun and relatable and somebody that you would want to just hang out with. There's nothing better than that. And there's nothing better for a celebrity's image than that. That's exactly how I feel. It is really a beautiful image curator. And maybe we're just falling for it. I'm glad. In this particular moment, I will be naive and I will lean into that naivety with grace because I'd rather be a little bit naive and have fun while watching. I would hate to be so hard in that I wouldn't be able to watch something and find the fun in that. (laughs) Yes. Beautifully said. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, they're washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. The last thing that we wanted to talk about also Kardashian-wise was the latest trailer that dropped because I feel like we've been getting these kind of in bits and every time there's so much to talk about. But this most recent one, there was a Scott and Courtney thing, but I first want to talk about Tristan and Chloe because you saw them talk about surrogacy. And in the clip, you see Chloe say to him, quote, you're trusting the surrogate with your unborn child and it's just scary. And again, let me give a trigger warning for infertility, but Chloe was talking not on keeping up, but in a preview actually that it's, I think it's airing today, the lady part segment on the Ellen show about IVF and about how she had frozen her eggs and, you know, the process just really was not working. She had to go through it again. And it's, you know, been really, I think, exhausting for her. And I guess I personally, when they talked about it on the last trailer or the last preview that came out, when they were talking about having another kid, I had no idea about the logistics of it all. I wasn't even thinking that. So I just thought it was you know, interesting insight to have to know a little bit more about her process. Yeah, definitely is. I also wasn't really thinking about, you know, logistics outside of it. You know, you kind of think like, okay, she was able to, you know, have a baby once. It's hard to 
like understand the whole process. It is a very difficult process. And I know it's a really difficult, like, and grueling process for so many people. So I am sure also her speaking about it again is one of those things where it's probably nice for a lot of other people to hear about the issues that she's having too. Yeah. Just to get specific, if you guys are curious, what happened was she's done IVF about three times and she froze her eggs once. She, quote, wanted to make embryos with Tristan, so she defrosted all of her 12 to 14 eggs to mix with sperm, but none survived. So then she did IVF again to make the embryos. She said, quote, we realized that my eggs aren't strong enough to be frozen. They should be mixed immediately with sperm to make embryos. So I actually have made embryos. And then, you know, she was also talking about how she wanted True to have a sibling closer in age, but because of everything that happened with COVID, the plans have a little bit been put on pause. But that made me think for a second, wait, so pre-COVID, like, you know, let's say pre-March of last year, were they ready? Assuming that things would have gone well just between the two of them. Is that a conversation that was actively happening where if COVID didn't take place, there would have been another kid by now? That's the thing to me that I was wondering just from a, you know, relationship perspective about how they were doing. I kind of think so because where we left off last season was them agreeing that they were both ready to take that dive. Also, what was interesting in the preview is when Scott and Tristan are talking about it and Scott makes the comment to him, so you're having another baby or you're trying for another baby, but you're not willing to say that you guys are fully back together. And I think Tristan says something along the lines of, it's not me that's not willing to say that. Yeah. Well, obviously it's not you, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Like we all, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us something we don't know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, it is wild. I don't know. I can't wait. And then the whole Courtney Scott thing, just the extended part about them sleeping on the couch and this and that. I like can't. I really, and you know me, I'm a dreamer. You know, one would maybe think that I was a Pisces for how much I dream about this stuff, but I just, <laughs> or I would think that you wouldn't. I just really can't go into the space because Scott is so, even from what we saw in the preview, that's not what's happening in his life. Like that is not consistent with our current reality. So I think instead of, getting excited. Let's just wait to see how it actually plays out on the show. Well, what's interesting to me is take the Scott element out of it for a second. Take what we currently think about Scott and just push that to the side. Just from a logistics standpoint, it's really interesting to tease a plot line of a show that you know isn't going to come to fruition. They're basically making this entire season a will they or won't they with Corny while we already have the answer of we're not going to end the season that way. Yeah, but Julie, that is why they have us all by the balls. That is why there is nothing for people who are active viewers or avid viewers of, of the show. And again, I recognize that's not everyone, but if you are somebody that's going to watch no matter what, if you're going to watch Scott and Chloe do a bullshit prank on Chris, you are going to watch them even talk about the possibility of Courtney and Scott, whether or not there's any prospect of that actually happening. The thing to me that I think is like, I don't know, more noteworthy is not about the fact that we know it's not happening. I think it's two things. One, the fact that they're both in relationships. Like for them to have that conversation, I wonder like what was Courtney's stance with Travis at the time? Because above anything else, I don't think Scott would have had that conversation if she was serious with Travis. I just don't think that out of like a respect thing. Um, and then secondly, the reason that they are really able to do this with Courtney and Scott versus someone else a little bit more, uh, I don't know, where we know that the outcome is different is because we're always going to be thinking about the possibility of Courtney and Scott. Of course. It's just, it seems like one of those things where Chris Jenner would have been like, Scott, I get you're seeing Amelia right now. Don't make it public. 
Courtney, I get you're seeing Travis. Don't make it public. We're going to tease the fuck out of this. And we're going to make everybody think you're getting back together, even if you're not. And I don't want anything standing in the way of that. Because while they have us, the people who are obviously going to watch it no matter what, there are a group of people that are going, I know they're not going to get back together. Why would I sit through this? I know. I guess I just, it's hard to put myself in the shoes of that person. Right. Of course. But you have to think of it like you're teasing any reality show. Like it, it is a little bit strange to me. Also, it's not like it's a side plot and they just keep teasing it a little bit or there's been one teaser about it. This is the continual teaser. This is the continual thing. That's clearly the overarching plot of this season is going to be the will they or won't they with Scott and Courtney. And we have that answer. Yeah, we do have that answer. Although, you know, there's still time before it comes out. I think people wonder that. I don't know. All of my like level-headedness and I think I often operate from a pretty rational place. It completely disappears when discussing this. So I don't even think that I'm a good authority to speak on this. I understand that. Yeah. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray, and it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray, and Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real, and for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O-Allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Anything else that you would want to mention? The last thing that I wanted to say, just going off of what we were just saying, is when Travis was on the Drew Barrymore show... And he was talking about Courtney and he was saying, you know, how much he loves dating someone who's a mom and how much he loves spending time with her. There was a maturity aspect there that you can see where you're like, I understand the kind of gap in terms of what she's looking for. Oh, yeah. You mean why Scott isn't feeling that? Right. And honestly, that's not even anything against Scott because I think Scott is just who he is and he's grown so much and I don't want to take away from that and I don't want to let what is currently happening with Scott take away from the growth that he's had and exhibited because I don't think that's fair to him. But when you watch Travis and you watch the way that he was speaking about Courtney, it was just so mature and so adult that you could understand the difference there. Yeah, I I would very much understand why that's more attractive or advantageous to her right now. And, And you're right, it's a stark comparison. And you know what? That's why maybe it's it's not a right now thing. Maybe it's in a few years thing. Who knows? I still hope so. I just, especially us watching the old episodes, this isn't just something that we were holding on to for the sake of holding on to it or because we forgot what it was like. Like, obviously, there were so many toxic times, 
But the times where they were together and loved each other, it's so hard to let go to because they loved each other and especially he loved her. Well, not everyone was on the journey with us. And I think some people even were just like, you know, listen to the episodes and without watching, which is totally fine. But when you're watching that, it's hard to not be in this space. Yeah. I mean, even Isabel and I all weekend, because they're doing the every episode ever marathon on E! right now. When we were watching Chloe and Lamar, we were watching Kim and Courtney in New York. We, like, there was just so many things. And all of them have just these amazing Scott moments. And a lot of them have these terrible Scott moments. And there's a lot of balance there. But it, it is... It is interesting to look back on. Yeah. I don't know, guys. We are on this ride with you. That's that's the one thing. That is the one constant in all of this that I can assure you of. We are taking this ride with you, and we will be here to react to it, talk about it, analyze it, freak out about it, whatever uh, whatever the moment sees fit, we will be here for. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you'd like to mention? I think that's it, kiddo. What about you? Like, I don't know what just happened. I feel like we've never been that all over the place. I didn't hate it. I thought it was actually fun. I mean, one of what? how many episodes we do a year. I'm down with it. I'm just saying, I hope people aren't too upset about that. Are you going to make us re-record it? <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I swear. I had, I had a really good time. I, I Obviously, I had the best time. Are you kidding? We could have spoken about nothing for 52 minutes and 30 seconds. I would have been like, that was really fun. Well, also because you and I haven't even really spoken about this stuff because I feel like the Harry and Meghan thing, I mean, from the second we recorded with Elizabeth, it was just going back to the episode, you know, editing this, that. So we haven't even had time, but here we are. Yeah, you're so right. Okay, well, we love you guys so much. Isabel and I will see you on Friday for our Bravo episode, which I'm really excited for. And then Julie and I will be back next week. And we love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks for just doing all this stuff with us. We're really, really lucky. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be, meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.